Hello, I'm your host, Angelina Jenis, and this is the CX Cast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CX Cast. I'm joined by my colleague, Rich Saunders, who is a senior analyst on the CX team. Hey, Rich. Hello. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you and dive into CX metrics goals, which, you know, a lot of people have CX metrics sitting around or not, but they certainly don't know necessarily how to form goals around them. We've probably got an audience that is looking at a wide range of maturity around how to even measure experiences, let alone how to set goals or how to work with other folks in the organization who are measuring the experience. But I want to just take a step back. I want this to be really approachable for folks, and we can always get into a more advanced conversation another time. Do you mind starting by recounting the challenges that you've observed when it comes to CX metrics goal setting? Certainly. Angelina, you know, we've been conducting research uh, about you know, how customer experience organizations set goals for their metrics, and, and you mentioned it. Not everybody's in the same place. Some organizations are going to have you know, a really well-defined set of CX metrics that they've been collecting for years. And I don't know, some of them even decades, right? I've seen, I've seen those cases. And some organizations come to us and they've just done their sort of first round of customer feedback and they generated their first score. And uh, I think what's interesting, what's funny maybe, is that as soon as you, I think, generate a number, a score, a metric, you know, for something and measure something, somebody's going to ask you to set a goal or a target for that. And that that was sort of one of the most fascinating parts about this research is pretty much every customer experience program from one that's been running for 20 years to one that's brand new and shiny, usually someone asks them to set a goal. And what we discovered, you know, my colleagues and I talking to dozens of customer experience organizations is that there's this really broad spectrum of sort of how people are doing that, meaning everybody's in a different place. We've seen some really sophisticated methods for setting goals, and we've seen some you know, really sort of arbitrary methods for setting goals, but there's definitely some pattern. And what we discovered over time is that there's definitely some specific challenges that, that sort of CX leaders face when they go to try to set these goals. And it's not, you know, it's not their fault. Most of these sort of, let's call them challenges or impediments are usually sort of external influences, things that are imposed upon them by other parts of the business, let's say. And because, uh, and especially if they're new to setting goals for CX metrics, a lot of times they're going to sort of get handed a mandate or asked to do something that maybe they're not completely ready for or comfortable with. So, um so here are a few of the sort of most common challenges that we've discovered. This is, this is in our research on this topic. The first one is what I mentioned, uh, and that is that a lot of times it just becomes sort of an arbitrary top-down mandate is the terminology I think that we've coined, which is to say, hey, as soon as you generate your very first customer satisfaction score or net promoter score or some other similar experience metric, somebody's going to say, okay, so the goal for next year is 10 points higher, right? And you say, oh, I don't, 
I don't know. Is that is that justified to, to make it the goal 10 points higher? Is there something going on that maybe the goal should be 10 points lower? Maybe should we, we should be happy if we can just keep it the same? I'm not sure is what a lot of six leaders say. And in the absence of sort of a formal methodology, let's say, to set the goals, something that that CX leader can go back to the, their executives and say, hey, here's our methodology for setting goals and targets for these metrics. They're probably just going to get handed a goal from somebody else. If their score is 60, uh, 70 might sound good <laughs> to somebody who is sort of uh, uninvolved in the actual nuts and bolts of creating those metrics and measuring the experiences of customers. And so they might just get assigned a goal that sounds good or looks good. And that is incredibly common. It happens all the time. So if our, if our listeners are un, you know, sort of facing that challenge, it's incredibly common. But there, you know, there are alternatives. Okay. So that's sort of the most obvious challenge. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because some of our listeners have the ear of their executive champion and can think this through and talk it out. Others have a 10 minute opportunity at a big executive quarterly meeting to shoot their shot. And if you're not disciplined in this and have thought through everything you're describing and say, okay, does what I've been handed make sense? Do we need to take a new strategy? Do we need to have an answer? What questions are they gonna throw at me? The goal is a big question that you wanna be prepared to answer. And in, in your research, by the way, I'm referencing a report for those who have Forrester Access, how to set CX metrics goals. You make it pretty straightforward to start that journey, to reassess maybe if the journey's been started before you. And I, I'd like to, you're talking a little bit about what, what's so important about getting it right, but what in the goal setting itself is important? Like you mentioned, it could be 10 points more, it could be 10 points less. What is it important to capture when we're, we're setting a goal? To the point you made, if, if you get one shot to sort of explain what you think the goal should be, the key is going to be able to say, here's what we think the goal should be and why, but you need the why. And, and, and that's the part that I think our research helps with a little bit is I think we've sort of uncovered what tends to be most effective in determining the why. Not everyone can use the same sort of level of sophistication when they develop the goals, but the key is, is, is really straightforward. The, the goal should be based on how much the experience will change, meaning any change in a CX metric score, whatever score that is, doesn't really matter what type of score it is. Any change in the score, it just, it has to be based on a change in the experience, okay? I can think of dozens of ways to change a CX metric score without changing the experience. That's can be a problem for a lot of organizations. They can run into that where maybe they have to, maybe for good reason, they make a change to the way that they're doing their research or, or surveying or, or collecting feedback and it changes the score, but the experience didn't change. And that's okay. We just need to go explain those things. Uh, and sometimes organizations make changes to their research in ways that improve scores. They just have to be careful to remember that not all of those are caused by changes in experience. And so when you set the goal, the target for the CX metric, Really, the simplest way to explain it, despite the fact that we can present a, you know, a really intricate methodology, is to make sure that any change is tied to 
an understanding of what's going to change in the experience. And so when you go into that, um, that one meeting, that quarterly update or that annual goal setting uh, or planning meeting and say, hey, you know, we anticipate that a, an effective goal for our organization for this key metric is X, you want some explainability. How sophisticated you get in that explainability really depends on what you're capable of. Some organizations, and we recommend it if you can, build really intricate causal correlative relationships between their CX metrics and other business metrics. And so they can kind of create a pattern that they can use to generate a real quantitative forecast. It's okay if they can't do that. Uh, an organization can just say, hey, we think there's two or three things that are gonna happen next year. We think they're gonna have a positive or negative impact on the customers. And we anticipate that they will have XYZ effect on our CX metrics. We have to make sure that just that causality stays in place. That's the key to this whole premise is to say, hey, if there are no anticipated changes in the experience next year, I mean, what if we're an industry leader? What if we're an exceptional a customer experience? There might be no way to go up and that's okay to say, hey, really our goal next year is to maintain our current status as, as an industry leader from experience perspective, perspective and, and our goal is to maintain the score that we already have. That's okay. So that's my sort of primary piece of advice is when we have those conversations and the leaders ask us to set a goal or somebody asks us, tells us what they think the goal should be, we have to just immediately jump to great what experiences are going to change to drive that change in score. Because done correctly, customer feedback metric scores shouldn't really change unless the experience changes, right? I mean, there are things outside our control, certainly economic factors. You know, there's lots of organizations in the world that can tell you what happened to their CX metrics during the, during the pandemic. But, you know, even those those were unexpected, the changes in scores were tied to changes in the experiences that they were delivering. So hopefully that helps. At least people get, get started thinking about it. You know, instead of sitting around and saying, should it be 5% higher or 10% higher or 5% lower or 10% lower? Instead of having that conversation, the conversation should be, hey, what do we think is going to change for our customers during this impacted time period? And then sort of back into what we think is gonna to happen to the scores. Yeah, that is helpful. And I mean, I'm always kind of mantra driven because I can get into a heated conversation and sort of forget what we're talking about and get caught up in the number discussion. and. I mean, I think the what you're what I'm hearing from you is this number is a representation. So we always need to make sure we're talking about what this number is actually representing versus the number itself. So that's very helpful. And I, I know you've got kind of some nice straightforward techniques to kind of walk through for effective CX metrics goal setting. Do you mind just sort of kind of running through those? Is it in a particular order? It is. And there's some malleability there. There's some flexibility. Every organization sorts, sort of needs to meet itself where it is and its maturity. And so you're not gonna build, build a big complex multivariate statistical mm -hmm. model to set your CX goals if you don't have access to that data yet. But you can, it's okay to think about that as an aspirational future, especially when you're trying to paint the picture for the organization that, hey, CX metric goals should be set quantitatively, not arbitrarily. I mean, that's really the point that I'm making. And so there's, Though there's a bunch of sort of sub steps, I think the big steps are these. Uh, 
and and I'll just run through. So, you know, if we think about the sort of the big macro components of good quantitative goal setting, the first one is to start with your current performance. I know that sounds obvious. I know that sounds obvious, but I've certainly seen examples where an organization has a score of X, but someone in the organization says, yeah, but I've heard that Y is a good number, so our goal is going to be Y. And it has no sort of connectivity to what they've already accomplished. And, and, and we'd advise against that. So start with your current performance. Establish whatever your trend is. Are you getting better? Are you getting worse? Are you brand new? You only have one score. That I'm always surprised how many CX leaders call me after their very first score and ask me how to set the goal. But really, ideally, you have some sort of trend, some sort of history. You know which direction you're going. You have a curve, you know, a line that's going somewhere, a trajectory. Use just that and sort of forecast. Hey, if nothing else changes, nothing else changes, where are we going to end up next year? That's okay to just do a linear forecast. Or, you know, there's some logarithms you can do that are more sophisticated than linear, but fine. So just make a forecast. What's going to happen if nothing else changes, okay? What trajectory are we on? Then sit down and sort of catalog what's going to happen to your customers in the time period you're setting a goal for. Is the experience going to get better? You know, do we have a whole bunch of initiatives that we're launching this year that are going to really help our customers next year? We have to think about timing. You know, that's important. But, but that's the ideal scenario is, you know, you're setting goals in the fourth quarter of 2023. For 2024, it is that time of year. And all of the initiatives that you worked on this year are really going to impact your customers next year. And that will help you justify what's going to happen to your scores if you're forecasting improvement. The opposite can be true. What if you're... The organization is downsizing. What if you're divesting part of your business? What if your organization is, you know, cutting costs, staff, whatever? These things happen, and we can't ignore those realities. We can't say, hey, the business is under downward pressure. We're going to just arbitrarily set the score go higher. You have to have a reason. You have to have some justification. So, number one, make a forecast based on where you are. Number two, sit down and catalog what you really think is going to happen to your customers in that time period, good or bad, good or bad. And then you can either calculate if you have the math, but if you don't, you can hypothesize and make assumptions about what that's going to do to your scores. So then you take that trend line and you bend it up, down, or leave it alone. If nothing's going to change, if nothing's going to change. And that's sort of step two is calculate the lift, the deflection, the, the curve, whatever you, you want to call it. You know, the third step is sort of optional. Which is, hey, is there anything else going on that you need to account for? Do you have some organizations have some other inputs that they can use? They might have third party benchmarks that they participate in. You know, we have things like the Forrester CX Index, but there's lots of other good syndicated customer experience index indices in the world. And they might incorporate what they're learning from those external variables into their internal goal setting, saying, hey, we're forecasting an increase in our score, but we've been going down in, in the ACSI for the last three years in a row. We might need to attenuate our expectations based on this sort of external piece of information we're receiving. Another example might be if the organization is projecting declining revenue next year. You know, let's just, you know, that's not incredibly common, but it can happen. Then we might need to attenuate our expectations. The opposite is true. If the organization has projected a really big increase in spending and revenue, and, and there's, a, you know, there's a lot of growth going on in the business, 
you might be able to attenuate your expectations upward a little bit, depending on what else is going on in the business, let's call it that. And then from there, you can set goals in a reasonably quantitative way. You take your baseline, your tread line, whatever your expected lift is, make any adjustments, and then just you know, do a high, a medium, and a low. You can use statistical confidence intervals if you want. If you can't do the statistics, it's okay to just make some assumptions, but say, hey, you know, it looks like our natural trajectory would take us from 40 to 50 next year, but we have a bunch of improvements going in, so we're actually gonna set that to 55. And then we're going to bracket that, you know, at 50 and 60 or something like that, you know, and you can do it statistically, of course. And, and, and we have tools that we use with clients to do all of that math. But but the but it's OK if you just have to sort of make some assumptions. At the very least, you've now created sort of a little miniature worksheet, a little napkin worksheet that you can show the leaders and say, hey, we think the goal should be X because we did this really we did this quick analysis. And, and that grounds that goal in reality. So they can say, well, we think it should be higher. And you can say, well, higher sounds great. Can you point me to the initiatives that are gonna get us higher than we've projected? And everyone sort of looks around the room and says, well, I don't know if we have any other initiatives that would take us higher than what you projected. And then they agree on the more realistic number. But the opposite can be true. Somebody can say, yes, you missed this amazing thing that we're doing that's gonna really transform the experience for our customers. If we account for that, we think we can, we think that we'll be higher. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's, you're, you're laying out the worksheet, but you're also laying out a great story to tell executives. So it's, it's both a process and the story you can tell about how you got to the number and therefore what we should do with it. Uh, because, you know, we start with the baseline, we set the stage, we are, adding, hey, here's where the story's going to go. I love how you called it the bend. And then we're saying, but wait, we may have more. We can add to this picture to really paint it. And then finally, here's where we should, where we believe we should go. And you're also adding when, when executives try to throw something at you, like, all right, let's, let's set it to 10 points ahead. Okay, we can adjourn. You can say, wait, wait, wait let's make sure this actually makes sense. And you don't find yourself spending an entire quarter or month or whatever it is, just kind of trying to rein them back in. So it's a great, it's a great worksheet. As you say, it's also a great story to tell and it keeps everyone grounded. Love that. So let me ask you this. Let's say I, I draw out the worksheet you're describing. I start to tell a story and I realize I've got a lot of gaps in my story. I don't have all of the data I would love to have at my disposal to set the goals. Do you, do you have any recommendations on where to go to fill in those gaps? What we usually see is like so many things in business, this is a sort of a story of continuous improvement. What's great is if you're new to this, if you set the expectation early with the organization that, hey, no, we're gonna have a process for setting these goals. We're not just gonna, the, the highest paid person in the room doesn't get to pick the number. Like we're gonna actually do a process and we're going to admit where we're at in our maturity on that process. So this year, the first year, let's call it wherever we are, we are going to make these assumptions and we're gonna set the goal here, but we're gonna use the results to tune our process next year. So, the, so you get to the end of the year and you say, oh wow, we forecasted a little higher, a little low, but because you had a formal process, you can go back 
and sort of decompose what did or didn't happen. You see what I mean? Because you didn't just make up the number, you actually had a reason. And I've seen this happen for lots of organizations where they say, oh, we missed the target. But because we based the target on something that we predicted would actually happen, not just on what sounded good, we can go back and say, yep, yeah, you know what? That didn't get funded. That didn't get implemented. That didn't happen. Or we overachieve. That happens too. You can blow the number out and say, wait, why did we beat the number? But because you sort of articulated in advance how you would achieve the number, you can go back and, and sort of back study what happened. And then in the next year, you can say, okay, our goal is to get more sophisticated about how we do this every year. And the organizations I'll tell you that have sort of, let's call it a causal model, right? Where they say, hey, if we're gonna predict a 10% increase in our net promoter score this year, we know that these six operational variable metrics, other metrics in the business are correlated to that net promoter score with these coefficients. I mean, really like full on mathematical models here. And they say, okay, the business owners of those six metrics are going to commit to ABC XYZ improvement that would correlate to a 6.87% increase in that promoter score, right? Like full linkages from a correlational capability. The organizations that can do that didn't sort of wake up and decide that's how we're going to do it this year. They spent years building the sort of infrastructure and architecture and, and capability to do that. They all started with just sort of the basic causality. Oh, hey, our service delivery or product quality or our customer support issue resolution, whatever, we know those are the big, first they figure out what drives the score they're setting a goal for, step one. So maybe in year one, that's all you do. And then in year two, you say, hey, can we get a little more sophisticated? And can we get an actual commitment from the people who own those drivers, how much they're going to get better or worse? And here's the thing. And this is in our research. The reason we do all of this, it sounds a little complicated, but it's, it, it's because it creates sort of this culture of accountability. If we, if we say, if we just arbitrarily say the score is going to go up or down, who's responsible for that score? You know, I work with a lot of voice of customer, customer experience measurement teams that the organization sort of points at them and says they're responsible for the score. But if they're just the ones collecting the feedback, I'm not sure how they're responsible for the score, right? So, so when we create this culture of accountability, we can align the stakeholders and say, hey, these are the top three drivers of that score. The business units who own those drivers need to commit to their improvements. And if they commit to improving their performance, we can commit to improve, you know, for performance change in, in the CX metric. And so when you get to the end of the year, you don't sort of restart this dysfunctional arbitrary process. You get to have an actual conversation about what did and didn't happen and what we're going to do differently. So really to answer your point, I would just focus on incremental improvement every year, get more sophisticated. Okay. This year we learned that that didn't matter or that did. We missed it. We hit it, whatever. And I've seen organizations that they spend time on this, just a little bit of time every year, right? It's not their full-time job, but they spend some time updating their models and, and eventually the models get better year after year and they get incredibly effective at setting goals. Uh, I've seen some really, really close, you know, close misses or whatever you want to call them. But, but I've seen a lot of organizations that can stay in their 90% confidence interval uh, pretty well, especially if they're mature.
Yeah, you're describing a great future state here to strive towards. I mean, one is you mentioned a culture of accountability. Great. Yeah, perfect. We can get there in CX in general. We're cruising. The other thing you're kind of hinting at here is your meetings with stakeholders to discuss these metrics shouldn't have to continuously be about how we got to the number, what the number means. You shouldn't have to explain that every single time. And if you're spending most of your meeting just describing that versus building off a strong foundation, making sure people are following the story and then advancing it over time, then you can actually talk about what's important, right? You can talk about the improvements that we need to do. Um, you can get past the number. So th that sounds like another good future state to strive towards as well. I, like so many other customer experience leaders, have been in this position where at the end of the year, the scores go up and, and people celebrate and somebody gets a promotion. And if the score goes down, everybody points fingers. But when we start to main, sort of maintain that discipline of causality, even if we don't have a perfect understanding, every CX professional on this call has some understanding of what's going on with their customers. I would say most of them probably have a better understanding of what's going on with their customers than other people in their organizations. It's sort of a hallmark of being in this business function, generally speaking. And so they should be able to provide some indication to the business about what makes the scores go up and down. And focusing on the what makes scores go up and down and how, you know, to sort of improve performance is the key to the whole thing. If we just you know, one of the challenges we didn't really talk about, but a lot of organizations get sort of so obsessed about the scores that they forget, probably not the CX people, but the organization in general, sometimes forgets that there's customers that are attached to every single piece of data that comes in that generates that score. And if we get obsessed about the changes in the experiences and the what and the why and the how of how we're going to improve those experiences, the scores take care of themselves. And that's sort of a good point to make is the organizations I work with that are really the top performers in the world of CX, not always the ones with the highest scores, because as I, as I lightheartedly mentioned, there's a lot of ways to generate a high score without a really good experience. But the organizations of the world, I think that we would all sort of recognize as household names as being exceptional when it comes to customer experiences. I will tell you, usually when I speak to those organizations, they're not that fixated on their scores. They're really fixated on that culture of accountability, about maintaining the connection between the scores and experiences. You know, they're really concerned about sort of the credibility of the feedback they get from their customers more than the scores that it generates. And guess what? Almost all of them have really high scores anyway, because those things take care of themselves if you deliver exceptional experiences. And so um, that's really the point of the whole goal setting thing is to say, hey, we understand that it is relatively rare to have a quantitative methodology, but we should endeavor to work towards one we should if this is the year let's start the conversation if, if the, for the last five years the score goal has been sort of set arbitrarily a lot of organizations it's just 10 percent higher every year 10 percent higher every year and you can you miss it three years in a row and it's still percent 10 percent higher the fourth year if let's start having the conversations with ourselves and our cx programs and with you know folks stakeholders outside of the CX program and say, hey, we would like to propose a somewhat more disciplined methodology. We think it's good, beneficial to our business, you know, really, because 
all of these CX metrics, I mean, it should be a win-win thing. You know, we're collecting feedback from our customers that we should be using, to your point, Angelina, that we should be using that feedback to improve the experiences for our customers. And ideally, those improved experiences also benefit our business, right? Increasing revenue, reducing costs and risk and, and things like that. And really, that's the win-win we're going for. We're going for better experiences for customers equals better results for the business. And if we become really, really obsessed with our CX metric scores and we don't sort of maintain the accountability and the causality and all, you know, sort of, let's say, decouple those scores from what's really going on with our customers, that win-win relationship sort of starts to evaporate a little bit because now the scores go up and down, but if the experience isn't changing with the scores, that whole sort of win-win proposition of improving the experience to improve the performance of the business, we sort of lose that thread a little bit. That's why this is sort of an aspirational way to think about it. And it is that time of year, right? It's the fourth quarter. And certainly this is the time of year where organizations start to think about their goals for the upcoming year. Yeah, it's great timing. And there's there's a lot of other themes that uh, you hit on. Again, the report, how to set CX metrics goals, a lot more themes that you hit on that we'll have to dive in to a future date if you'll if you'll come back, of course. And sometimes we have audience members that have a great CX metrics goal setting story that they they want to reach the analysts and tell them about. How can they reach you? You know, it's it's Rich Saunders at Forrester, so so R Saunders at, at Forrester.com. If you want to email me, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn, Rich Saunders. Uh, senior analyst of Forrester Research, pretty easy to find. And I would love, of course, to hear those stories, right? We've met with dozens of organizations, but every, there's never been two that are exactly the same. That's what's so interesting about CX. Awesome. Totally agree with that sentiment. Really appreciate the listeners out there that are part of our active community to help us with our research. Rich, thank you so much for joining. Can't wait to have you back. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com. As always, you can find us at forrester.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights. 